gentlemen, you can't fight in here. This is the war room. Fine, I can hear you now, Dimitri. Clear and plain and coming through fine. I'm coming through fine too, eh? Good, then. Well, then, as you say, we're both coming through fine. Good. Well, it's good that you're fine and, and I'm fine. I agree with you. It's great to be fine. It's, it's a podcast. podcast. Hello and welcome to Fighting in the War Room, episode 95, the review segment for Friday, November 13th, 2015. Dr. Emmett Brown continues to reign supreme. This week, we're reviewing By the Sea, which is the Angelina and Brad movie that uh, Angelina Jolie wrote, directed, produced, and stars in, which is kind of an impressive four forfer that I'm, I'm trying to think of the last person we saw do that. It's probably been a little while. And uh, she stars in it with Brad Pitt, and they play an unhappy married couple who decamp to a hotel room off the coast of France somewhere. I think there's probably... They're in Malta. Malta. See, I don't know anything about Malta. They're in a really fancy, beautiful place where they uh, make each other miserable and make themselves miserable. Uh, He is a writer who's kind of carrying around a typewriter, not doing much writing and drinking, and she used to be a dancer, and she sits in the hotel room and drinks white wine and sulks for a good long while. Um... Eventually, a kind of, I think, more interesting element emerges where they kind of uh, use this couple that's honeymooning in the hotel room next door as their mirrors and spy on them and befriend them and kind of judge themselves against them. As I see it, there's kind of a vertigo element of it where uh, Angelina Jolie is putting herself, you know, mirroring the character as herself, the filmmaker, manipulating this fictional couple. Um, But it's an art film and it's slow and it's meditative and it's got a lot of shots of people looking into the sea and of a man in a rowboat as a metaphor. And uh, I think there are some very specific 70s art film references that I don't know that other people have mentioned and David might be able to illuminate for us. Um, I kind of fall on the side of this movie being interesting despite many, many faults and a kind of worthwhile vanity project as opposed to a total waste of time vanity project. Uh, (laughs) No, you can't say the word vanity project. You can't? You cannot. It's offensive. Is this not the definition of a vanity project? It is not the definition of Vanity Project because Vanity Project has no definition. Oh, all right. Uh, Fair enough. But it's... I mean, uh, yeah, sure. Vanity Project does seem kind of be... To call this a... To spare you the think piece that I'm already about 1,500 words into writing, um, it's... It, to, to the very notion of a think piece is completely of a think piece of, <laughs> of a vanity project is inherently antithetical to the idea of, of good art. We should not be in any way, shape, or form punishing the most financially, commercially successful stars that we have for taking chances, making personal films, uh, doing exactly what they should be doing by virtue of accruing that much creative control. Uh, vanity projects tend to be things that we use to describe uh, movies where things, projects of this personal nature go horribly wrong, your battlefield earths and whatnot. Uh, but now we've entered a phase where people were calling this a vanity project six months before it came out. Just uh, a little bit misogynistic, but I think also uh, there's this element to, to not wanting to Is see. It really the, misogynistic? That's kind of I'm weird. Not, I mean, I if, if, if Brad Pitt of, directed this movie, I think people would still be slapping it with the I, same Less so. I'm certainly not accusing Katie of being misogynistic in this no, instance. No, I think David's, but, David's but, on something there. Um, but, uh, you know, I think there's a big element of people shirking at the prom king and queen trying out for the local the high school theater production when movie stars of this caliber make what is perceived to be art films um, i think is really really ugly and it's a term that i'm going to call for the abolishment of forever well what's interesting is i agree with you this is not a vanity project but it is the prom king and queen trying to make 
trying to join the uh, the school show. I do. I think that's its greatest fault in some ways. It's a really interesting movie. That's fair. Sure we'll that's perfectly into, fair. Yeah, I, I'm sure we'll get into this, but you know, in broad strokes, I think. Um, Angelina Jolie, you know, she she's made it very apparent. She's done a lot of interviews. She did interviews with the Times. She's done videos that she's put on YouTube, like behind the scenes. There's this metatextual element to this film where she's like, I, I poured myself into this. This is pure emotion. Um, and if even if you divorce all that, that's clear. This is a very personal film for her. This is the two of these people being vulnerable for the first time. They can't really do that in any of their movies. They can't do it in real life. So they're just going to like escape to Malta and make this very personal film about emotions that they may feel underneath that they have to hide or maybe that they don't feel ever and they just want to experience it through kind of this conjured scenario and that's really an interesting experiment um, but kind of fails because it's it's there's a lot of inauthentic art in this movie um, pondering when uh, what she has at the uh, the core these kind of raw emotions are are seem to be coming from a realistic place, but the craft of the movie and the kind of the motivations of getting to these emotions seem very, very false. Um, and and I think your your comparison is perfect, David, that these two are, are playing in a sandbox that they, they kind of dream of playing in or think they're good enough to play in, um, but they didn't get there on their own merits. Huh. Well, they, they got there by their own merits, but in a very roundabout way. They didn't get there on these merits. Yeah, they got there uh, by merits on screen that don't have a lot to do with what is being put on screen and by the sea. Right. I mean, it's... Uh, and, and, you know, to be perfectly honest, there are worse things than two of uh, Hollywood's biggest stars trying to make uh, an Antonioni film. You know, like, it's... There are definitely like, worse things, but there. <laughs> this is a very... Gruel- this was a very grueling film for me because, again, it, I think... At its core, there's a lot of interesting ideas, but it's so mucked up. I don't know if Angelina Jolie is a good director, and I think when Katie and I left the theater, I turned to Katie, I was just like, I want to be rooting for Angelina Jolie every time she makes a movie, um, because she's a very serious filmmaker, um, and we need more female voices. Uh, you know, this is the biggest conversation of 2015 uh, when it comes to Hollywood issues, you know, diversity uh, along the gender lines, race lines, like, I want Angelina Jolie. And Jolie to succeed on some level um, because she's just trying and, and experimenting, but she's failing so every single time um, because she's so serious and she doesn't really seem to have a vision. This uh, by the sea is harp, you know, is uh, indulging in yeah the art of Antonioni or the European film. Uh, art film, and without seeming like it has an idea of what that really is or why those fl- films blossomed from the ideas running through those directors' heads. It just seems kind of stapled on. She doesn't relate to it in any way. Um, from the minute they walk on, I think the first line of By the Sea is, uh, it smells like fish. Yeah, yeah. It, it just seems so phony. And I know it's trying to be melodramatic, but it never really gets there either. There's not this heightened theatrical element. Um, it doesn't go over the top, and then it becomes very personal and intimate when they start, you know, as Katie mentioned earlier... They discover this couple on the other side of the wall, their hotel. Um, and We're not played by they, uh, Melanie Laurent, who is a very oh. capable director uh, yeah, in right. her own right. People and, love her film. Oh, my God. She's fantastic. And she's very easy on the eyes. And uh, she's mostly just having sex in this movie. And uh, no, she does. She me, spars. Right? Uh, yeah, she spars. Yes, of course. And also uh, Melville Popod, who uh, it was really exciting for me to see in this because I 
think of him uh, as the star of Eric Romer's A Summer's Tale, and he's also in uh, Lawrence Anyways, but to see him cross paths with an Angelina Jolie and a... Um, and the Brad Pitt is nothing that I ever I, thought I, I would. I think Angelina so. Jolie might have uh, might be into Xavier Dolan. Uh, Dolan, I'm sorry. Yeah, that Saint the By the Sea shares a composer with many of uh, oh. Dolan's films. Uh, yeah, with uh, yeah Gabrielle Yared. Yes, and the music actually. Well, I'm back. It's forgettable. I know. Yeah, I can be kind of particular about that. But as I was saying, you know. This movie starts with these two just fuming, lots of scenes of Angelina Jolie sunbathing and looking really upset, and Brad Pitt playing drunk and speaking French in bars and just being so unhappy. But then it kind of narrows down, and they meet this couple, but they really meet this couple when they start peeping through this hole that's in their uh, hotel room for pretty sneaky, much no sneaky. reason, I, from what I can tell. I guess from other peeping Tom. Is it an outlet? Well, it or Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Um, and, and that's when the movie opens up and becomes really interesting. And then these two couples have a dynamic. But then that dissipates again. Uh, what, so what is this film really trying to do? Like, what does it do successfully? Katie, you kind of enjoyed it. David, I'm not exactly sure where you uh, stand. I know that we wanted to take a few days to kind of contemplate it all. I don't know. I mean, I don't know if enjoyed it is the right word. I think I felt restless in this as you did, especially in the early parts where you kind of get scene after scene of watching them mope and you know the minute that they start driving up this hill alone I was like oh these people's problems will come down to children somehow and without spoiling anything they do because they're a beautiful attractive young yeah, and the film makes the kids. makes a huge mistake of actually answering very concretely yeah, what the problem it's holding, is it's holding that back as a mystery when Ugh, it doesn't need to be solved for so frustrating <laughs> it has yeah. it's doubt moment where people just <laughs> scream doubt yeah, basically. Um, but I did think, I, I think when it gets into this mirroring with the other couple and it does reflect on the fact that it is this movie starring the most famous couple in the world as a couple and was honest about that and kind of played with the structure of the movie to talk about what that means that they made this movie together. I did think that was interesting. I don't know that it makes the movie itself good, but it had an element to it that was other, that was something other than just like these guys wanted to get in a room and like really act their faces off. Yeah, I, I don't really know what uh, this whole deal is about. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I think I can see what they're what they're going for, and I think that there's a certain. I think it's interesting to see such a, a couple that exists in a, in a completely different galaxy from the rest of us mere mortals engage in a story where they are still beautiful. They know it. They can. Yeah. They have the physical beauty, which is uh, part of the movie. I mean, they, they acknowledge it to fuck up the lives of other people with mm-hmm. their beauty um, and they they do and uh, I think um, it's interesting to see them go through these phases of a marriage I mean there's they, they spy on the newlyweds and sort of use them as their gateway back to when they were happier or at least more uh, you know excited about the relationship more in its early days and then on the other side of things there's the Niels uh, Arstrup character who owns the hotel who is mourning bar, for his uh, oh, whatever for his What late, do people know him from? Warhorse? Uh, is that a right? A prophet mostly? Nah, oh, okay. that's what I know Fair. him from. Also Warhorse. <laughs> uh, okay. Warhorse is the only uh, movie you've ever seen. Yep. Um, and he his IMDb picture by the way is from like 40 years ago. I know it's incredible. Uh, but uh, he is mourning his late wife, and and I think there is this sense that you know Brad Pitt's character loves his wife, but will probably never love her as much 
uh, as he will be able to maybe after they're no longer together, uh, separated by by death. Who knows? That's sort of this, this cyclical thing that is normalizing all of these relationships. I think that there is an element of it being cliched by design uh, where it's like this is these things and then and, and they are put into practice very uh, vividly and personally and in ways that I think Angelina Jolie's character struggles with with how sort of abstractly familiar these sort of psychic elements that she's dealing with are and she really doesn't know what to do with them besides take endless endless walks on the shore and then and this maybe is, jump in and then threaten to and then maybe she did well, jump no, in she, she does jump in she does jump in not so late into the film it is not a big event she doesn't die or anything but but uh, she does she, show what her insides she, look like yeah, she oh says, my god in it she says her I, I was building this up just <laughs> i'm so sorry I set that whole thing up so right, I no. could say the lot. You know, strike us for the record. Uh, no, <laughs> no, it's been done. The damage is done. Uh, I saw it through the hole. Uh, what, is, what is the full lie? Can you just give it to says, me? But in now, her voice, please. Now my insides feel like my outsides. I think it's match <laughs> Look, my outsides. Match my outsides. Whatever. But like, what oh, that means is very unclear. Like she's soggy. Hmm. Uh, yeah, he probably <laughs> is. I mean, your the ins your insides the are very body is wet. Mostly water. Yeah, yeah, and I think there like there's some. I don't know when they first hatched this idea, and you don't want to assign personal things about people you don't know, but it's definitely some kind of statement for a woman who had a as public as it gets double mastectomy. To be as topless in this movie as Angelina well, that, Jolie that's is. the thing. You can say and that we don't know them, but this movie is hyper aware of yes. the the tabloid headlines of the last ten years. Yes, yes, and yeah, there's I think a part where uh, Brad Pitt says to her, "You've ruined a perfectly happy marriage," which I kind of was like taken aback by, given that she famously ended Brad Pitt's marriage to Jennifer Aniston the last time. Yeah, I think that that's a reach. I think that the Jennifer what? stuff is, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I don't think that's what this movie's about, but that moment definitely had weight to it. Yes, the, he has been involved in a marriage, I suppose you were sure. But uh, I also think that, you know, and of course, they're playing a, well, I was about to say something that was in spoiler territory, but there are ways, there are a lot of ways in which their relationship in the movie, the married couple they play, has no bearing no, on uh, but, but who they are. But you're mentioning the mastectomy. I mean, no, right. So I think that, like you talk about vanity, I think this is sort of the opposite of that. Um, yes, she her the plastic surgery she got is like a masterpiece. Uh, it's but, crazy. It's crazy, yeah. and on full display all the time. This movie, including when she's clothed, I feel like right, perfectly. Um, but I think I and this could be my own way of of reading into things maybe further than other people would. But I thought it was kind of in, inspiring in a way. I think it was. Uh, there's an element of it of showing, um, A, women who have had a similar operation and are worried about reclaiming their sexuality and are struggling with uh, their womanhood, and especially in compared to like the Melanie Laurent characters of the world who are young and sexy and have everything they have, um, that they're, they're, you don't have to be a ruined woman. I think you could bet message could come across even without plastic surgery but still and also it's somewhat aspirational to people who need to be convinced to have preventative surgery in order to save their lives and be alive for their partners and their children uh that again there is a way to do that even if you don't have angelina jolie's plastic surgeon to uh to not have your life as well this is what i think is part of the problem with the movie like that is a great intention i think in the script and maybe even through the filmmaking, it could work. But they don't seem 
aware enough. Like, they're aware of their own beauty and their own stature and their own celebrity, but they aren't aware enough to make it relatable, like, to condemn themselves or, or to, to undercut it in some way. Like, I really think their casting is the biggest misstep of the movie, as much hmm. of, of... You uh, mean them casting themselves? Yes, casting themselves. Um, even though what, what the, the fair, meta text adds to it. This movie. He is just an actor in it, so... Well, that I'm sure we he, were talking like, like he's a co-author of the movie, which for I mean all of he not. he lives with her. They, I know, but like, I, come on, give her I, she's the writer director, give yes, her the credit but, you would. And and you know to go back to the misogynistic element, I think uh, he produced fair, it. To be to be okay. fair, um, I think that even if he were directing the movie and had all the roles that she had. I would still assume that she was at least somewhat involved in this. Sure, that sure. they had conversations about it at night. Sure. Um, you know, I, I think that he he definitely did this willingly. Yeah, I'm just saying I can't really connect with this couple in the end, or or feel sympathy, or really get where they're going. What I think Jolie Pitt wants us to kind of walk away from understanding these kind of reads that you're having about even if it was about well, the mastectomy is metatextual, so you, you probably can't get that from someone else. But just in terms of being an older couple who's trying to reclaim that, or in try, trying to derail a, another couple, the Schadenfreude to revive your your marriage, I think you could do that with a a, a plainer couple, you know, just an older aging couple that's that's. More normal. Um, like they don't have to be golden. Years. Yeah, these don't have to be two marble statues walking around Malta. They can just be two schmoes from New York who are good looking. Um, this is why I love Forty Five Years, a film that's going to come out. They, you know, this older couple goes through a per- perilous time, and they're a beautiful couple. And they're very romantic, and I'm sure we'll talk about it later this year. But they're they're very normal. They're just living in the countryside of the UK, and you could find a couple like that anywhere. You can't find a couple like Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie anywhere. And while it heightens the, uh, you know, the read. I guess we wanna we wanna connect the dots between tabloid and by the sea, um, but it takes away from what she's attempting to do through melodrama and through this crazy people thing. And that's where the real. I mean, the movie gets so funny and so tense and so erotic when they get to this peeping tom moment in this little stretch, and then it all dissipates because I don't know why she keeps going back to scenes of the malaise of their marriage, of sitting out in the sun, uh, every day rotting away in Malta. It's just such a bore. And I hate using that word, but, like, it's so misguided in its artistry, quote-unquote, and what it's throwing back to without really having a purpose. So you referred to them as marble statues, and I wanted to push back that just slightly because I think Brad Pitt is really good in this. I think he is doing vulnerability in a way that he basically never does. I mean, she's good in too for that exact same reason. Well, no, I see she, I think, is really implacable the whole time. Like, she's there. I mean, she's spending the whole movie really deliberately distancing herself. And I think even when she opens up, there's a distance to it. And then when she, like, really breaks down, it's, like, it's so big compared to what's been there before. I'm not as sure about her performance. But I think he does really well as directed by her. And, like, he's someone who had a really hard time just kind of being on camera. Like, most of his best performances involve, like, crazy character actor stuff. like Eating. Um, uh, yeah, um, got, like, 12 monkeys. Um, and I think he does really interesting work here, even when she, to me, is kind of stony. His vocal fry is getting out of control. <laughs> it's like the whole, it's like, that's well, uh, it's the whole. Well, that's the thing. I, I felt the opposite. I felt the opposite, Katie. This is like, my Brad Pitt impression. Uh, well, uh, 
Uh, Glorious Bastards 2, right here. Yeah. Uh, so you put the opposite? I did. I didn't really I, I like that... Brad Pitt in this. I mean, he has nothing really to do except pretend to be drunk and speak French and be a total asshole. And I know they're both, they both declare themselves assholes in this movie. At least, I don't think Angelina Jolie's performance is entirely successful, but she's playing against her own type. You know, yes. I'm constantly waiting for her to step up and be... I kept thinking of Gone... Uh, in 60 seconds for some reason. That's my touchstone for Angelina Jolie just like kicking people's asses and being in their face and not being any shit. <laughs> and that vocal fry just destroys her. She's always weeping. She has no control over anything. And it doesn't really work for her. That we, we talked about, I think when we talked about Maleficent, like we thought that was the last movie she could ever make. Like she can't make any more movies because she's too confident. She's glowing all the time. So when she tries to play against type as adventurous and uh, interesting as it might seem, it doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah, you watch her insecurity about getting older <laughs> um, and, like, not being beautiful anymore. And, and like, and I, like I, obviously, like, even beautiful people have insecurities. I'm sure Angelina Jolie herself, like, has days when she doesn't feel beautiful, but, like... They do. I is, can say, as someone who is beautiful, that it's, beautiful. it's difficult. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, she's still incredibly beautiful. And you're right. She projects this confidence and always has. That's what's made her an interesting movie star. Uh, yeah. I also think that, like, you know, if you want to talk about – if there's any vanity to this, I see it in – and, again, this is a totally – not projected, but assumed uh, reading. But um, but I see it in them wanting to preserve their beauty uh, while it is still very evident and together – in a movie I mean, that I she mean, they knows may not, how great she looks and she knows all of her best angles and more power to her for that. Yeah. And like they, they may, this may not be the kind of couple you want to, a movie you want to show at like the reunion. Cause it's a fictional married couple going through a very difficult time, two beautiful people in an ugly time. But I think that, uh, I think that there is something to be in like, we were, we were young once look at us kids. We made this movie together. <laughs> uh, I mean, we did it on our honeymoon. It was Smith. on their honeymoon. Well, yeah, but I mean, it's a good point, uh, but uh, I, I don't know if it necessarily precludes revisiting it in a way that is a little quieter, a little bit yeah, more. Sure. Uh, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, there are worse ways to spend your time than to make a movie on a beautiful island with all your kids there and your family and, you know, do some big acting. Um, I have a spoilery point I want to make that I think is a legitimate spoiler. If you guys are up for doing a spoiler section, we, uh, we a whole will, section. We we're not going to okay, ring the just, whole bell, like but people can uh, skip ahead five minutes. Yeah. Anything? Anything before we jumped in spoilers? Uh, no. Go. No. Okay. So basically, we were talking about how, like, the the way that her mastectomy sends a message, and you know how there's a positive thing to it that isn't really presented by the movie. Uh, the same thing with the fact that her character is barren. Which she is so completely done. Well, yeah, she literally says, I'm barren and sobs, which so she's uh, she's totally undone by it, which seems insane to me for two reasons. First of all, she's very famously adoptive mother. Like she obviously she more than anyone would understand why you don't have to give birth to natural children to have children. And second of all, she's had all of her female reproductive organs removed. And she is really staunchly standing there and being like, I am no less of a woman for not being able to do that. Well, retweets so don't equal endorsements. Well, I mean, I like, know, that's but, not... Like, but also, you don't know how a- she's feeling about that. Like, I mean, I, when I interviewed a uh, male breast cancer survivor earlier, earlier this year, his greatest struggle was after his surgery. I mean, he went and got the double mastectomy, but he felt violated. He felt like he yeah. was missing something oh, from his body. It's a devastating thing to go through. Yeah. But and I and I would not blame her at all for whatever she wants to feel about it. But just creating this female character who is so wrecked, and it's not like 
I mean, a miscarriage is not anything to take lightly, but it's like, it's this devastating thing that does happen fairly frequently is not being able to have a child or having a miscarriage. And it just, it seems so out of proportion to what her life represents and what reality is for those people. To, to me, it felt like an easy way to fuck with the audience, which is why I did not like the ending of this movie and a lot of the choices. It all just felt designed to try and move you as opposed to creating real drama from a real situation. Uh, yeah, but and I it never went it was... melodrama. It never went that big and crazy. I think there's something to the idea that it, it her barrenness, uh, yeah, they could adopt or whatever else, uh, but I think that it was sort of this this line in the sand where she realized that whatever couple she once saw themselves as once saw herself as being a part of and that she saw them as being uh, this idealized version of that couple that has everything going for them as you assume in those first shots of them driving in the convertible by the sea that they must if they're so beautiful and well put together is is not going to happen sure. for her. Sure, and that's there, a really hmm. interesting, subtle version of that that I don't think the movie really has. I, I'm not giving the movie credit for doing it well. I'm just that's that was my that was my read on it. Um, like everything that I enjoyed, even partially about the movie. It was like a faint echo of what it could have been. Yeah. Um, it made me really want to go to Malta. <laughs> yeah, it was gorgeous. a great ad for Malta. Yeah. Malta. Smells like fish. Smells like fish. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you guys want to give a thumbs up, thumbs down on By the Sea? I, I can't <sighs> It's totally, too complicated. I don't know who I would recommend it to, but I can't, like, I can't dismiss it. I can dismiss it. I think it's a failure of what seems to be the the intent or it's a failure to be truly dramatic and and really dig into this couple's relationship um you know we can bring a lot to it in a read but i don't think it's there's a lot there on screen you know one thing i keep thinking about that they haven't mentioned is so he's a writer but she's a dancer which is really interesting a retired dancer yeah retired dancer I was just like that's really interesting and has nothing to do it's a quick mention, but I don't see that elsewhere in her life. Like, she doesn't have a creative spark, and obviously it's it's fizzled out. But who is this person? Why does mm. he get a backstory? Why does he get a life lived? And she just seems to be, you know, a, 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 a piece of a paper. Ghost. She has a page in in, a, in his book uh, mm -hmm. of, of who she is. It's very She's odd. She's like the wife rattling around in the attic in Jane Eyre. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think, it, I think it's because... That makes it more dramatic uh, on paper. And I don't know. It doesn't play. It's all by design. And I don't like feeling manipulated in that way. Mm. Oh. <laughs> I like that. Mm, that was about the most you could muster. I, I should say, too, that in honor of this movie, for this review, I've been drinking a gallon of white wine, which is not even an eighth of what's consumed on screen. It, uh, it does make you want white wine, though. It does. I'll give it that.
before we get into your answer to our lightning round question, uh, as Pat just pointed out, there are three movies directed by women in theaters this weekend. Yeah. Uh, none of it's possible that none of them will get good reviews. Uh, but there's By the Sea, which we just talked about. Love the Coopers, a uh, family Christmas movie directed by Jesse Nelson, and uh, the Thirty Three about the Chilean Meyer, miners directed by Patricia Riggin. So. Uh, when all of these movies don't do well, then you can just look to them never hiring female directors again. That's it's it very was. peculiar. I don't get it. What? That all the. But I'm glad they had the chance to make disasters. You know what? There can't be equality unless women are given the chance to direct hacky I mean, Oscar bait or hacky Christmas movies. The majority of male directors make terrible movies too because no, the majority exactly. of movies are terrible. Exactly. Uh, so no, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, I. When Nia Vardalos directed My Big Fat Greek Wedding 2, correct? She did? I'm uh, no, she did not. Oh. <laughs> don't, right. don't slander female directors with no, Nia No, I was going to say that uh, um, I think we would just be done with women as a whole if she directed that. <laughs> Wait, that, mo- that movie hasn't opened yet, and you didn't even watch the trailer. I'm watching the trailer now, and I'm uh, <laughs> quickly just like all of my orifices are... There is exactly. one really that good movie, movie coming out That movie is directed by the director of uh, What to Expect When You're Expecting. Hey, that movie is good. That movie is, is good. Is the director of What to Expect When You're Expecting a Human? Kirk Jones. He also or made uh, I'm done with all of them. McPhee. Gender is uh, not really an issue here. I think we should just nuke nuke the world. What I to Expect is men, so. pretty fun. Bring me to Fury Road. It will be more peaceful <laughs> there. We wake in Valhalla. Mm-hmm. Okay. This week, well, hey, wait. This but, weekend what? is entertainment. Also, I have to say, oh, we yeah. talked about it in our. Uh, I guess our we talked about it in segment three earlier this week. But yeah, it we must talked be about said, it in length. People, if you like the comedy, or even if you didn't, take a chance. Entertainment's very. I was going to say funny, but that might be the wrong word. <laughs> I, I stand by what I said. I will never watch it. But Godspeed to all of you who do. Uh, all right, Patches, what was this week's lightning round question? It was in honor of By the Sea. What couple should or should have, so we were including ex-couples in this question, uh, make a movie together? All right, well, I'm going first because... You should. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, P. Captain P. Kohler, Andy, says Chris Pratt and Anna Faris would, could make a great comedy. And I agree. Yeah, how has that not like- happened? I feel like they have worked together at some point in their careers. Like, that's why they know each other. But it was before either of them were uh Is that, like, during the, the Everwood years? Uh, yeah, maybe. Like, maybe he was, like, in the house bunny. I could probably figure this out. But, uh, yeah, like, a comedy starring the two of them. Make that happen. There's no reason for that not to happen. We need a second house bunny. <laughs> we need obviously need a house bunny sequel. Uh, I will go with at juvie underscore cinephile. Pilgrim Al Jardine, who says Cher and Tom Cruise. If I ever, if I knew that they were a couple, I had forgotten. Yeah, that uh, surprised me too. Also, they were in a movie called Take Me Home Tonight, which I saw. Take me home and I don't tonight. Don't remember anything about. They're also both in movie forty three. Yikes! I let you we're gonna forget go that for this. The sake. Sun goes down. Oh, they're also in What's Your Number, that movie where oh, she had yeah. a lot of relationships. She did. So there you go. They have she made did movies. Indeed. So just no, just remake What's Your Number shot for shot and recast Chris Evans with Chris Pratt. Oh God. Be careful what you wish for. <laughs> um, All right, what's your answer? Wait, which one did you go with, David? Sharon Tom Cruise. Oh yeah. I feel like they've been in the same frame once. Um I'm gonna go with uh at 
B. Hattie 2, Brian Hatfield, who says, I want Gremlins 3, this is very specific, with Kevin Klein stepping in for Zach Galligan and Phoebe Cates telling a sad Boxing Day story. This is clearly a a, a pitch in the making. Yeah. This boxing. is this is a fan script. It's probably floating around on Reddit right now. Everybody wants a, a Boxing Day themed Gremlins movie. That's I just want to say, need most. I have been in Kevin Klein's house. Allow me to just toot my horn for here for a second. I've been in Kevin Klein and Phoebe Kate's home. Why? Delivering a script. This is name dropping. But here's the interesting fact. Okay. And I probably shouldn't say this. I probably signed some sort of confidentiality agreement to say. <laughs> that you wouldn't rat out but the Zach, details of their home. Kevin Klein has two floors in his Upper East Side apartment. Um, one where they live, you know, a gigantic apartment. But then the second one is just full, filled with props and costumes from his movies. What? That's awesome. An entire floor? Yeah. What? He, it's like his man cave. I didn't see that. An entire floor of his apartment is just his That's man cave. That's what I've been told. That's cool. And if he did Gremlins three, Gremlins three, there'd be Gremlins in there. Guess what? When you're the star of Dave, you get to do whatever you want. <laughs> exactly. I love Dave. This is not meant to be a knock on Dave. No thanks. Yeah. It's not about you, Dave. It's about Dave Gonzalez, obviously. Oh, yeah, they should I remake Dave with Dave. D A seven E. Don't encourage him. Well, what what do you do if you didn't see Dave's two through five? Whoa. <laughs> two through six. Never heard that one before. Um, Oh, boy. Okay, that does it for this week's Fighting in the War Room. Next week, I think we have Mockingjay. That's, this is almost over. What's almost over? Yeah. That series? Uh, mocking, the Hunger Games franchise. How did that series go without a female director? Jesus. Because they found the one guy whose name I can't even remember right now and uh, just kept him. Francis Lawrence. Is Women name. can't direct action, obviously. Suzanne Beer. She's just waiting by the phone. I know. Uh, anyway, we'll be back talking about that and some other things. In the meantime, tell the people who you are. I am Matt Patches on the entertainment editor of Thrillist.com, and I'm on Twitter at Mr. Patches. I'm David Ehrlich. I am a staff writer of Rolling Stone, or at least I was until I watched the trailer for my big fat Greek wedding, too, and uh, left this earth for the moon, <laughs> became an astronaut. Um, the Martian you can find me on Twitter. At David Ehrlich and on the moon as the person on the moon. <laughs> uh, I'm Katie Rich. I'm going to make David Ehrlich go see my Big Fat Creek wedding too with me somehow. And uh, you can find me on Twitter at Katie Rich, K A T E Y R I C H, and at BaddenFairy.com, making people see movies and other stuff. Uh, that does it for this week. Uh, we'll be back talking to you next week. Mm-hmm.